film producing is such a beast of its own. It's very different from acting, obviously, for obvious reasons. Okay, hello and welcome to the Guest Life Podcast, episode 31. Today we're fortunate enough to have Dana Abraham here in the studio, <laughs> friend and foe, you know. Um, uh, you know, today, uh, you know, very fortunate to have Dana and he's got a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. Um, you know, I'm fortunate to call him a friend. Um, and today he's going to talk about film, entertainment. He's an actor. He's a producer. What isn't he? You know what I mean? <laughs> Taken. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, Dana, thanks for coming. Oh man, what a pleasure to be here. I, I, I actually think you kind of um, downplayed our friendship. I thought we were brothers by now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make it weird. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, thanks for, ha- thanks for coming on board and... You know, uh, it's funny when I'm able to interview friends because, you know, for everybody listening, there's a, there's a dynamic between friendship and it's always interesting to sit behind on this side and say, you know what, let's dig a little deeper and see what, uh, what the listeners want to hear. And also always finding out new stories about the, the people that are usually closest to me in life and, um, from a different perspective. Cause sometimes yeah. as friends, you don't always talk like that. So yeah. really excited to hear uh, a little bit about your story today. Bro, I'm ready to get going on it. Let's do it. <laughs> awesome, man. So tell uh, tell everyone tuning in a little bit about you. Well, um, I'm an actor, writer, and film producer. I started off as a, as a performer and just really trying to break into the industry after I graduated university. Um, I'm not trying to age myself. <laughs> I was a little while ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but, uh, you know, being at rigorous as it is being in the film industry and really struggling to get an audition, which, you know, it's such a catch 22. Uh, you're, you're trying to break in and get yourself the role that you need to become a name or a household brand so that way you can get the larger roles, et cetera. Even getting that opportunity is challenging. So naturally, um, having a little bit of success on the commercial side, having a little bit of success in, in the short format web series side, I decided that uh, I would make a short film and that short film really is what carried the torch into uh, walking into the rooms that it needed to be in to then develop the conversations to then now own Red Hill Entertainment, which is a production company. Over the pandemic, it's really been our successful timeline, and we filmed a lot in Hamilton. Amazing. Actually, we filmed all of it in Hamilton, all three films in 18 months in Hamilton. And we're on to our fourth film, which is hopefully going to lead to five and then eventually to 100. So that's who I am as a person. And also, I'm a friend. <laughs> I'm a brother. I'm an uncle. I'm a fashionista. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. So... Uh... You know, growing up in Hamilton, tell us a little bit about the story that got you into there. You know, I know you were uh, a boxer growing up. Yep, absolutely. So my mother, she's she's an artist. So uh, as you know, you've you've met her. Uh, she's she's really um, somebody who I aspire to be like. She, she's an artist and, and really smart, creative, and and just a really work, hardworking individual. Uh, in 1997, we came here for an International Women's Art Exhibit in Toronto. And uh, long story short... Um, she, we, we haven't seen our dad since then. And so she's been a single mother to us and raised us through homeless shelters and food banks. And in 1999, the homeless shelter we were staying at in Toronto relocated us into Hamilton to Oriel Crescent. Now at 
10 years old, um, going to elementary school, I'd get beat up for the, you know, the Toonie, the $2, uh, you know, the Toonie days at school with the pizza and pop deal. So I get beat up for that Toonie. So my mom was like, son, got to toughen you up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when she brought me into uh, McGrory's Boxing Club in September of 2000. And um, Vinny Ryan, Val Ryan, they're our coaches and, and, and really took care of us and became my second parents. And I uh, spent more time with them than I did with my mom because she was working so much. I stopped boxing at uh, 23 years old, so 13 years. I uh, spent some of it boxing throughout Canada, Team Canada. And, um, you know, that's really what teaches me, or sorry, taught me the discipline, not my English and grammar. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's what really helps propel the perseverance and the drive and the determination because it just it takes so much from you, that sport. Yeah. But it's one of the best sports in the world. It keeps you in shape, and uh, here we are. That's it, man. And, you, you you know, talking about entrepreneurship, and a lot of people tuning in are either entrepreneurs <laughs> or in an entrepreneurial role um, or just really in a lifestyle and, and, and kind of that forward-thinking mentality and kind of, you know, open your mind to things. And, you know, how much of it, when you talk about sport and going through that journey, you kind of, you know, introduce into your life as an entrepreneur? Absolutely. I, I think um, I think even both of us, we do substantially because in sports, there's, um, I, I feel like there's three stages. So there's, you know, you, you train really hard, then you get to the day and then you debrief on that day so you can get better for the next match, game, fight, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. I think business is very much the same because you prep to launch your business. And as you launch your business, you then are always recapping, something I know you're very, you're, you do all the time. Always recapping, always learning, always growing. So now next time you're launching a product or you're going back out into the consumership, you're able to compete with the best, to be the best. I don't think there's, I, I think unilaterally across all industries, um, sports is something that uh, I've learned so much from. Again, to go back to discipline, perseverance. And so all in all, I think it, it's very, very um, similar in many ways. Yeah. Except I do enjoy being punched in the mouth less <laughs> physically yeah. and literally, yeah. just more metaphorically now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I've never heard of it that way, but actually breaking that down in terms of like subquence. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Because, you know, in business, a lot of the times, I, I can find you sometimes you, you become reactive at the beginning, but once you understand that that process can be so much more beneficial to either, either yourself or your team, when you say, Hey, let's reflect on how that went. Yeah. That quarter, that week, that day, that morning. Um, and so let's get better for the next time. So it doesn't happen again, or we improve on what did happen. Not always such a negative, like, Oh, something negative happened. Like sometimes reflecting sure. on the good and say, Hey, how'd that win feel? Absolutely. You know, how do we get Absolutely. that win again? You know Absolutely. what I mean? I think that's a, that's a big, yeah, that's a big takeaway. I've never heard that before. Kind of using that context. That's awesome. I, I saved this part for this. Yeah. See? Just like you said. <laughs> it. Yeah, always learning. Yeah. Um, so getting into, you know, you're my only friend in film. Yeah. Um, I think you're one of our first guests in actually that space where it's, you know, film artistry. So many people are interested because I know I am. Talk to us a little about the production side and then we'll we'll kind of work our way into the acting side because i know Absolutely. uh you know film production you know we sit down and we turn on netflix or we turn on apple or amazon whatever whatever you're using to watch a film or you're going to the theater like yeah. back in the day and, and you sit there for your hour and a half or your two hours and you you know you get this entertainment 
And then coming out of it, it's like, okay, you know, that rush is gone. Yeah. Or maybe that rush is still there because you took the, you know, the Batman cups. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody finishes the popcorn, so you have that too. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, unless you went with me. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, take us through that journey of like all the hard work. Because even some of the stuff you told me with some of the timelines in production. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you know, uh, film producing is such a beast of its own. It's very different from acting, obviously, for obvious reasons. But why it's different is like, think of it this way. This is the easiest way I can kind of put this. Every movie is like its own corporation. It has to be set up right. That starts all the way from the incorporation of the film into a single purpose entity. The chain of titles and the legal documents, all of that have to be done hiring the right accountants for production, post-production, and overall corporate uh, accounting. From there, you're going downwards. You're then hiring your production crew. You're hiring all nitty-gritty pieces of the puzzle that are so amply, ample and important to the making of the film. That includes your creatives and your administrative team. Then you get into the creative and the talent, which is you know, your casting, your top-billed actors that you know help you sell the film. Then all the other amazing talent that you need to make the movie then from there your movie's now done so it starts as script creating the corporation then you get to your crew and then you get your talent now you're done at the movie now you have to get that movie into post-production which is another eight to nine months so uh-huh. it took you eight to nine months to get to camera a month and a month and a half to film it then another eight to nine months to finish it now your post-production your colorist so how long is how long is filming normally take the filming itself is actually the shortest part. Really? It can be anywhere between 15 days to 45. Now you have large stature movies that are moving around block to block and and, and so big in, in, in scale that could take five to six months. But in the independence uh, field, which is what I am, in, I'm a Canadian independent filmmaker, uh, the upcoming film, Black Cat, um, that one is our longest so far and it's about 25 to 30 days of filming. Really? End to end, it's about a year and a half of work. Wow. Yeah. And when you guys say filming and you're, you know, you're getting actors from all over, I'm just, my head spinning yeah. right now with all these questions, but does that, is that 25 days, you get a couple of days off in there? Is that like working days, like the regular human? Or is that like 25 days start to finish, you know, April 1st to April 25th? Exactly. Good question. Um, so yeah, our work days are basically Monday to Friday, Sunday to Thursday. I typically like to do Sunday to Thursday, so my crew... You guys can't go out Saturday nights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's five-day work days. So 25 days is essentially six weeks of filming. Okay. So um, it, it's a good chunk of work. I mean, some actors are going straight days. Like typically you're number one on the call sheet, which is typically your leads. Um, the top five are your leads. We consider them like they're working a lot as, as much as they're appearing in front of the camera. And then it works its way down. Um, not everybody's filming every day, but, uh, you know, it's still a rigorous process. Filming days are extremely hectic they're 12 to 14 hour days sometimes a little bit longer if you're running into ot over time um but it's a big chunk but we like to be prepared for it so that way we have seamless productions yeah man it's a i you know never really heard the accounting part of it but but yeah like i'm sure the budgets could just get blown and and people always you you know you got to have money uh to back you up because i'm sure you can't get halfway through production and run out well, that'd be a problem, <laughs> but you know, it, it, that's again, it comes out, that's the producing side. So on, on the production side to even continue, the corporation is basically you seeing the end to end of that project. So that widget in this particular case happens to, the, happens to be that specific film. 
Um, you have to manage the budget. That's the producer side, the line producer side uh, of jobs and tasks. And that also includes the legal aspects of it, making sure you uphold your contract and the bargain to both your investors, your distributors, your talent. There's a lot of responsibilities. I think uh, a producer, if I were to give you uh, the simplest description of what it is, it's like the CEO of any new company. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. So now the acting part. So, you know, um, again, this context is obviously, you know, owning and being a partner in Red Hill Entertainment, yep. who's, who's going to now do the films. And then you're also in the films. Yeah. How'd you manage that? Well, <laughs> I made a lot of people take a big chance and risk. You know, for better lack of word, I'm just really proud of my business partners, uh, specifically Kamar. He's a co-founder with me. He's a venture capitalist, CPA, MBA-bearing venture capitalist. So very, very smart human being. He's also like a brother and best friend to me. He is really the reason why Red Hill is alive because I had went to him to pitch a, a movie that we've yet to shoot yet. Um, it's called El Tigre. Uh, it's it's very much in, intertwined with my life of boxing and the, the rig, uh, rugged streets of uh, Hamilton that I grew up in, but set in New York. And we just never really were able to get it to camera until I met and sat with Kamar in a boardroom. And he had said to me, I can help you raise for a movie. It'll be challenging. But if you bring me a company, that's when we're really having a good conversation because I can get people to invest into a company. And so that's when I thought about what the company's going to be, uh, where we're going to locate it, taking advantage of the tax credits that exist in Hamilton and, and the structure system in film in Hamilton. And so we kind of launched Red Hill from there. Acting, whole new beast of its own. That's where I really get to be creative. And, and I got to tell you, really hard to do while producing. But really? I, I don't think I can go back from that anymore. I don't okay. think I can not act i mean i don't think i can act without producing i just enjoy both so much simultaneously really yeah and i'm sure that's not the normal direction of you, you know, know an up-and-coming actor whoa matt damon ben affleck okay right goodwill hunting i i think i think that it's not the norm so it, it feels like like even for myself sometimes i feel kind of I belittle myself mentally sometimes because I feel like, oh, like I had to make my own movies to give myself an opportunity. Was I not good enough? But I remember, but you know, if you really recall, like there's a lot of phenomenal actors that produce their own work. It's just that the dynamics of that trajectory does happen later in their career as they've mm -hmm. developed that brand and the trust within the studios, et cetera. It just so happens I had to choose a different route to give myself the proper opportunity. But as these films come out and people in the film industry watch it, like sales reps or agents or distributors, mm -hmm. um, they're starting to trust that, okay, it's not just this kid trying to give himself an opportunity. He's good, he's great. And this is just his journey. And yeah. so it's very similar to Matt and Ben's and, and yeah. Oh, that's super yeah. cool. I mean, I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, being lucrative and finding ways for things to work, right? You know, not not taking no for an answer and not taking like, you know, okay, I'm, let's go line up. I, yeah. You know, I, I related to, um, you know, I know a couple of people in a high school, go to university, try to become a teacher. And um, actually I had a cousin who, uh, you know, everyone was like, oh, it's so hard to get a teaching job. So hard to get a teaching job. And my cousin was volunteer, like working a job and volunteering mm -hmm. to be a substitute uh, sports coach at one of the schools. And yeah. it's like, 
There's always a way. Always a way. There's always a way. You know, copping out and saying like, oh, it's just, you know, there's so many actors. You know, there's so many plumbers. There's so many, uh, you know, there's so many lawyers out there. Why would Mm -hmm. they call me? Or how could I do it? Or how could I run a business? That self-talk of, well, am I, why am I so special? How can I do that? And I think that self-doubt is so normal as, as more, you know, entrepreneurs that you talk to or just people that you talk to is, you know, I'm not worthy of that. And right. then all of a sudden, as soon as you kind of can jump that hurdle and flip that on its top, it's powerful. Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, look, it's, it's the self doubt is built in through the system because it allows individuals to function in society for, mm. for whatever the reasons may be. Right. But in the end, I think that everything's achievable. I mean, like you just said, how many plumbing companies are out there, but how many are doing it the way you are? And, and I, I know how hard you work and how hard we all work. But in the end, the threshold that we're given can be broken through. Because if it wasn't, then how – there's tons of Brad Pitts out in the world. You just have to go work towards that goal. And we all look at somebody and say, we can't be that or that is unattainable. Is it? Have you really looked at yourself in the mirror and asked yourself, is it yeah, really on table? Yeah, yeah. It's everything's achievable, man. You just have to work backwards from that goal and try to reach it. So my goal was, okay, I want to be Universal Pictures one day. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, they're a publicly owned company. So go find out what their financials look like. Look at what their forecast looks like. Look at what how much content they're making a year looks like. And then I reverse engineer for Red Hill Entertainment. So in the end, I, I reverse engineer everything in life. In boxing at 10 years old, I lost my first six fights and I quit. My boxing coach came to me, knocked on the door, grabbed me by the ear, brought me back in the gym. Then he showed me Mario Kindelin, who was an Olympic two-time gold medalist at the time from Cuba, or at least one time at the time. And I I reverse engineered how he boxed, how he moved in the ring. I've been reverse engineering things since I was really young because that's how I've had to learn. So even acting and performance, I looked at Matt Damon and Ben Affleck giving my goals and aspiration. I want to be that. I don't want to, it's not just enough for me to be a performer. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to do great things. I want to provide opportunities, create jobs. Red Hill employed 515 people over the pandemic. Amazing. That to me means more than yeah, just acting. For sure. And I think, uh, you know, I use this saying, it's, uh, everybody's got a sock drawer. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know like you, when you look at someone and you think, oh man, how's it? Well, Bill Gates has a sock drawer. Yeah. Matt Damon has a sock drawer. I have a sock drawer. Yeah. So, you know, using that as just context of like, you know, man, it's, they've got a skill in, and you appreciate that and you For value sure. that. It's not, yeah. not to take anything away from any, anybody that's doing great stuff, but I can do that too. For sure. And it's not to also take away from the fact that um, I'm immensely grateful and, and fortunate to have met the right people. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I know how hard I work. We, we all work really hard, but at the same time, it does take a, a, a lending hand as somebody to believe in you. Totally. Um, so I've just been very fortunate to be surrounded by individuals such as that. And, uh, you know, then it, it continues onwards. Distributors taking a chance on our films, hoping to create opportunities and, and relationships because they believe in us as yeah. at Red Hill and myself as a performer and Ruth Bay as a director. And so, you know, it's just, it's really important to have the right people around you. But again, um, it's all achievable if we just want to go for it and, and want to get it done the way we foresee it. Yeah. So you were talking about some of the benefits of, you know, filming in Hamilton and bringing jobs to Hamilton and some of the subsidies and stuff like that. Talk to us a little bit about the Canadian film, you know, uh, from what I know, you know, the Canadian Film Festival and going to TIFF um, in Toronto and stuff like that. But in terms of kind of the mindset with business, connecting it to film and understanding some of the subsidies and thinking about the kind of, 
how much it boosts the economy when you have like a big film and an extra, you know, 200 staff in an area. And, you know, you see all the buses downtown and the streets relined (laughs) and stuff like that. What, um, what got you thinking like that? Well, you know, um, again, it kind of, I think any entrepreneur, you just start with that idea and mm-hmm. the idea kind of expands and grows as you do your research, you understand about the market and the industry. So for me, to be really honest and clear, it was just because I wanted to give myself an opportunity as a performer first. Yeah. But as I learned more about filming and Q Kamar, uh, who got me kind of thinking about bringing a company forward, I had really just started with, okay, well, what is it like filming in Canada? So then I started reading about it. Then I reached out to a really good friend of mine, uh, Christian Borgeson. He then connected me with somebody named Nathan Fleet. Nathan Fleet has kind of become like a Vinnie Ryan, but in film industry for me. He kind of sat with me at the Mule, um, and the Mule in Hamilton, amazing taco place. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. Yeah. And uh, he's just kind of giving me the lowdown on filming in Hamilton. At that point, he said, you have to meet Debbie Spence in the film office and travel and tourism ahead, right? She told me more about the tax credits. So as I learned about filming in Hamilton, I just met the right people again who just gave me a lot of information. Yeah. From that information, I just started doing more research. There's 9,146 union crew members that live in Hamilton. Then there's more that are non-union. Hamilton is 11% of Hamilton's labor force is in the film industry. Wow. For me... It's understanding that there's a 45% tax credit inclusive of a regional bonus that exists in Hamilton. So if you film in Hamilton, 40 to 45% of the monies you spend here on labor, on Ontario labor, I should say, and all the spends in Hamilton, like locations, rentals, et cetera, that's all tax credits. So which means you can get that back from the government, both provincial and federal. Now there's banks out there like Royal Bank of Canada, CIBC, Scotia, they have the media and entertainment department that do internal financing on that tax credit right up front for you if you want to use it to go to camera or if you want to get it back to diminish or mitigate the net exposure for your investors. So understanding all of that, I grouped it together and I got a slate of projects and I said over the next five years, we want to do this many amount of projects and I want to do it in Hamilton. Moving towards one day, God willing, a, a 150 to 200,000 square foot of a film studio with all of that accessibility in the film studio. So now you're creating even more jobs, but now it's not just your movies. It's a studio that services productions from all over the world, Yeah, giving them the advantage of the tax credit. That's amazing. And, uh, you know, to touch on that, you know, talking about all these things, you know, and, and for everybody tuning in, like, you know, some of this stuff might go a little bit over your head, but... But Dana is, uh, you know, talking about his giving back and uh, you guys know about the show is we, we try to give, you know, people a voice, but also people that are doing great things and giving back. And so tell us a little bit about your give back that you're doing right now to, to educate, mm. you know, new talent yeah. coming through the ranks, because I think that's just, you know, I was asking him because he, he was he was explaining it to me and it's, I'll let him explain it to you. And then. I was like, oh, so like, what are you charging for that? And uh, I said, what do you mean? And uh, <laughs> and I'll let him take it from here. Well, thank you, man. I, I, you know, I, it was just so challenging. I mean, it's still challenging to be a, a performer um, for all of us. And uh, it's, it's even more challenging to be a producer and a performer. There's just so much red tape in this world. And, and it's not just um, in film, but it's across the board. And I, I see you in meetings and, 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 and workshops and you guys are always trying to get better. So it's unilateral, but in business, I think those that, uh, go back and to open up doors for those that 
you know, otherwise wouldn't have those doors open very mm. much like ourselves. What does it mean for that next Dan guest or that next Dan Abraham? So I was just really fortunate to have an opportunity with ACTRA Toronto, the performers union here in Canada to put together a curriculum for a content creation workshop. <laughs> you see light up. Yeah. Really, that's when I know I'm doing good things. So yeah, Daniel has yeah, a smile on his it. face. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a two day workshop. It's six hours each day. And my goal was to create a workshop where I can empower performers very much like myself uh, when I was getting going to give them the information from pitching to upcounting to casting, uh, understanding the contracts with the unions um, to legals, understanding the contracts within the production uh, to distribution to marketing. Basically, the end to end spotlight on what film producing is like um, as best as I can in two days. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, we we decided, Actra Toronto and myself, to to not charge a fee, because is that really empowering? At that point, I, I just feel like I'm I'm charging for knowledge that I otherwise would give to you if you just called me and wanted to set up a Zoom or or in person. So I just felt like I could reach the masses. And and is everybody gonna become a film producer? Maybe not, but at the very least, I've done my best to empower um, the next group of uh, Red Hill Entertainments. That's amazing. And I think, you know, for everybody listening, you know, all the information's out there. Um, it's like when people are like, oh, why are you giving away your secrets? It's like, no, it's not a secret still, at all. You still got to do the work. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you know, anybody that's got, uh, you know, there's there's things that want to steal an idea. And I think, um, you know, I love talking about the way Elon Musk thinks sometimes and, you know, not um, like giving away all his patents. And mm -hmm. opening the doors for patents and stuff like that. And, and I'm not trying to get into some political thing, but yeah. that to me is like bettering the world. And it's like, you know, the best thing you can do to someone who's a mentor or someone that's giving you advice is act on the advice. It's the yeah. best. I mean, the, the advice that you agree with, I would say. Yeah. Um, not all mentorship is good mentorship. Nope. Um, but yeah, like taking that advice and making an action on it and showcasing that. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's, uh, I think that's just, it's, it's rewarding for me. It's been rewarding for me. Um, when anybody gives me advice that I just, you know, I love, I always follow up with them. Yep. Um, you know, let them know how it went, critiques, this and that, you know. Now, I don't want 30 to 200 people telling me how terrible I was. So don't, <laughs> no. no, but you know, like even to think about it, um, you and I talk about expectations, right? All the time. And uh, even my expectations on this workshop, it's not to empower everybody to, you know, create a Red Hill Entertainment or become a massive producer or any scale of a producer. At the very least, um, even as a performer, understanding and having this knowledge could yeah. be within your arsenal to then even better yourself as a brand because all actors are a brand. So now you understand what the casting feels like. You understand all the different mechanisms and production feel like. And you, know, you understand what your job within that big wheel is like so then you yeah. can even better that and channel that and really get just become a better brand holistically yeah and you know that goes a long way like understanding the whole process of the journey um i find in business a lot of the times like you know i was talking to a supplier today and, and uh they were trying to get some business from us and excuse me we we're talking about like you know it's a partnership and and if i don't know about how your business succeeds or fails you know, how can I become a good partner to you? You know, yes, you're trying to sell me product, but if you don't know that my guys are unorganized and call 36 times a day for free delivery, mm -hmm. you know, how can I ask you for the best price? Absolutely. But if I know that, you know, you guys do deliveries Mondays and Wednesdays and you got an extra guy on Friday, I know I can schedule my life around you to, you know, get the best price from you. 
but utilize it so that it's not the highest cost to you either. Absolutely. You know, and uh, and I'm sure with film, all the different facets, uh, it just goes such a long way. And, you know, ourselves, we've done a couple uh, like short commercials and it's funny over the years because it starts on an iPhone, you yeah, know, yeah. you know, on a, on a selfie stick and then it moves to, okay, we got a little bit more money. Let's get a little bit more production. And, yeah. uh, you know, the guy that, uh, that shot our last film um, did a, a film for Baffin, uh, Baffin Canada, the boots. Mm. And uh, man, it's like lighting, like, you know, they're like, hey, we just need an hour and a half to set up for this 15 second shoot. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Right. But yeah. understanding, you know, how to support that and see that, you know, final product come out. Okay, they know what they're doing. This is how it happens. Absolutely, man. And that, that's just, that's again, as you know, a unilateral across every industry. But yeah. performers, I think we're in such a tough spot because that audition that you have for that role, there's, there's one of you, but then there's however many number of people auditioning. So the one role versus that. So just understanding how to better fit into the industry yeah. uh, just hopefully will empower you to then excel in the industry. And so tell us a little bit about, you know, I don't use the word work-life balance, but, you know, connecting your personal, giving yourself some time, you know, family's big for you and friendship, yeah. obviously. Um, you know, how do you find that when you're so excited about the next venture? You're so excited about the producer. You've got, you know, because you you're working international now with some of your connections, right? Yeah. So managing your time, you know what I mean? How, how do you find that? And also, you know, what's the, what's the pros, cons, and what do you love about it? Well, we just don't sleep. <laughs> no, uh, you know, to be quite honest, I think I'm still learning what the balance is. I think, I think that human beings, we always are because as we evolve, our balance needs to be evolved, right? Yeah. So, okay. So to, to use a great example, I, I was reading about when you start off in an industry, you have a little bit more free time as you kind of get busy, right? So you're trying to get yourself more busy. As you get busy, you're trying to find a little bit more free time. <laughs> and then eventually you, you, you end up being less busy as you kind of taper out of the industry and you're on your way to retirement or whatever that looks like for you. I think that we're always evolving. We're always trying to learn. We're always trying to better our relationships, manage our relationships, both professionally and, and personally. For me, my business partners are, are, are also really good friends of mine. So I, I spend a lot of time with them outside of work. Um, and then obviously I have my really close friends and, and I have my family. I don't think I have yet perfected what a work and, uh, you know, personal life balance looks like. Yeah. But I work towards it in the sense of just understanding what I need to be doing based on priority. I know mm -hmm. that my priorities are my family. I know that my relationships are really, really important. So it's understanding where I need to be and when I need to be there. There's a lot of deadlines. We all have that. Yeah. And some of those deadlines you just cannot pass. So you have to work with that goal in mind. It's no different than boxing, again, to go back to it. Yep. If there's a boxing tournament coming up, well, a couple months out, we're training really hard. But then once that tournament's done, whatever level of success you've had and whatever success looks like for you, you then know you have a little bit of free time until that next tournament. So you can spend it a little bit more freely and enjoy yourself. And so it's no different in, in, in work. Um, right now, I'm really motivated to do a lot of great things and to create and, and to take on the next yeah. job and the one after that. I want to be busy forever, I totally. think. But that's, you know, that's where I'm at right now in my life until uh, the next uh, step and trying to change again. Yeah. No, I, I really like that in terms of that, that change and, and that balance. One of the things that recently I was like, you know, I just with COVID coming out and, and uh, I'm a people person, always got these lunches and everything. So as soon as I got shut down, I was like, oh my gosh, my, my schedule is wide open. Yeah. And I don't like that, yeah. <laughs> you know? And yeah. uh, 
so I found myself like, okay, now I'm scheduling, now I'm scheduling and, and now things are going good. Yeah. Um, scheduling two weeks out, scheduling three weeks out. That's exactly And then all it. of a sudden it's like, someone's like, ah, oh, man, let's get together for lunch. And I'm like, you free in three months? And, yeah. uh, you know, that didn't work either. And it, and it was funny that you just said that kind of clicked and it's, yeah, now I'm, now I'm saying don't book anything in that third week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for allowing me yeah. to have some of that, you know, freedom there. But Well, the know, scheduling like, thing is kind of tough for me because also as a person, um, I'm all, you know, we always never want to let people down, especially with the graciousness we have in our relationships. We're really grateful for them. Yeah. But it's also understanding now that I can't get back to every text message. I can't get back to every, you know, direct message on different platforms. And, and yeah, I can't have every lunch or dinner that I would love to otherwise have them. I wish that I had the free time too, because guess what? I love eating out. I like having drinks. I yeah. like having a good time. But it's understanding, like you said, like our priorities are shifting because we are busier and things do need to get scheduled three weeks out or a month out or yeah for you a year and a half out <laughs> <laughs> well tell us a little bit um you know the the question i always ask at the end of the podcast is, what would what advice would you give to your younger self or someone coming into the industry that wants to kind of make an impact my younger self man um that's it's a good one i think i think uh i think about this all the time just keep failing forward, man, realistically, bro, because I'm a byproduct of failure. Like we just keep, if I've never failed, I wouldn't have even wrote a script. And if I never failed trying to pitch that, I would have never wanted to be a producer. And if I didn't have a hard time producing my first film, I wouldn't have done second or the third or next, the fourth, right? I think failing forward is such a big life lesson. So I'd say that to everybody. Just try to learn from and mitigate your exposure and risk the next time around. No different than boxing, bro. Yeah. Fall nine times, get up 10. Yeah. Fall 10, get up 11. And so realistically, I think I also have to say this for everybody. Just be kind to yourself, man. Life is already hard. Like, it's just so hard. We're always competing with the best version of ourselves. Social media doesn't make it any easier for us because we're always looking at the best versions of everybody's self, right? Yep. And business is included. included sorry. And so just be kind to yourself. Understand your given point. This is your current circumstance. And then how do you get out of it? Mm -hmm. um, not everybody has the, the same doorways that's open for you. I didn't. Matt Damon didn't. Brad Pitt didn't. And, and, and any industry. Elon Musk's door was different than somebody else's uh, door that's going to be innovating the world after Elon's done. So just be kind to yourself. Life, life is beautiful if you just give yourself that moment to breathe and adapt and learn and grow. So That's amazing. Patent pending. Um, <laughs> well, it, it's uh, been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, you know, again, guys, uh, so grateful for everybody tuning in. Um, this podcast is, is is here for you and, and all the listeners and, and to really give, um, you know, incredible uh, people like Dana a, a voice and a platform to, to showcase. And, you know, very fortunate to be able to do that for, uh, for people and, um, Dana, everything's going to be on him, his Instagram, his handle. Please check out his next movies. I know I'm going to be there. Uh, popcorn, even though I come, a couple of them are scary. So uh, <laughs> not my cup of tea. I like to laugh instead of cry. But, um, but thanks so much for having us on. Dude, thank you so much for having me, man. I can't wait to be on again and again. And again. I love you. And, I, and hopefully somebody can take away something good from this. Amazing, guys. And you always want to ask yourself this question at the end of the podcast. Why not me? Why not now? Take that risk. You know, do it. Go for it. Fail forward. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man.